Our story begins at the medical emergency call centre, Plumpton. Boris Karloff leaps from his electric bike and fights against the tide of pallid, squinting, lowry ant slaves rushing blindly into the light of earthly paradise. Karloff enters the screaming concrete mouth gateway and, like Dante before him, descends into the vast funnel-shaped cavity of hell, past the gluttons, hypocrites, and makers of discord to the lowest circle. The Circle of the Call Center. He is greeted by human resource manager Chardonnay Sunbeam. Watcha. Salutation. Swallow the dictionary, have ya? What should I have done? I ain't got time for comedians. Here's yeah. your complimentary muffin and your electric dog collar. Ooh. Here. Gavin's in a meeting, so you'll have to take a seat in the recruitment lounge. Through here. My God, it's wonderful. What? All these brightly coloured seats remind me of a dream I once had. <sighs> In my dream, these coloured chairs and meadows gambled free from cares. Bunching softly shag-pile grass as beanbag clouds bobbed lazily past. And neath the burning lamplight sun, they'd frisk and tumble, chase and run. Till guided by a soft city, they'd doze and dream these babes so pure. A golden age of furniture. At once a buzzing froze my brain, exchanging pleasant for profane. And as I turned, I looked in shame upon the furniture of pain. Electric chairs charged through the valley. Gruesome Gertie, sizzling Sally. Old Sparky, freed from Sing Sing prison. Death and horror had arisen. Yellow Mama filled the air with stench of frying flesh and hair. And then I saw a monster rare, flashing backrest blades that tear at shimmering armrest teeth beware, the ancient Chinese torture chair. The flock were blissful, unaware. I ran and shrieked, beware, beware. Behind me loomed the creaking frames of racks and gibbets clanking chains. Its spiked doors open to embrace, the Iron Maiden joined the chase. Her pretty, frozen, sculpted face was closing in at breakneck pace. But though I shouted and implored, the baby chairs just lay and snored. The Judas Cradle, keen on slaughter, was followed by the scavenger's daughter. And there beneath the hat-stand tree, I saw what no man ought to see and heard the flock of chairs all scream, devoured by Madame Guillotine. Times are hard for dreamers. But I'd be miserable if I wasn't deluded. Are you foreign? If you're inferring that I'm like a stranger in a strange land, you're extremely perceptive. It's just that I can't understand a bleeding word you're saying. Choose your mood chair carefully. Mood chair? It's part of the recruitment process. Person specification. Each specification has a colour, i.e. If you're motivated, you'll sit in the motivated chair. And which colour is that? Don't fuck with me. Dear Zyre, I've recently been involved in a scientific experiment in which I have taken on the guise of a human mole. This involves me shoveling earth, in fact digging, or as it is occasionally known, manual labour. 
I prefer to see it as a scientific experiment rather than a job, in which I have taken on the guise of a human mole. This helps me get out of bed in the mornings. The other laborers rib me about my skin-tight moleskin suit, baseball fielding gloves, and burrowing goggles, but at least I'm happy in my work. I have to use a shovel. This is hard to hold, what with baseball gloves, but it's part of the digging paraphernalia one must have. Now, I wouldn't call myself a Buddhist, and in fact, the Buddhist religion would probably rather not be associated with me. Particularly in my moleskin suit, which I must point out is made only from the skins of elderly moles who have died of natural causes. But I do find the wholesale slaughter of sentient beings with which we share this planet abhorrent. Digging, then, particularly with a shovel, can be tough on the karma. Worms are the main problem. I had tried to justify the slicing of said creatures in half by convincing myself that if each half became another worm, and so on, digging actually increases the worm population, therefore benefiting them, until yesterday, the fateful day that changed my life forever. There I was, high hoeing it along, thinking these very thoughts, when my shovel struck something. Burrowing away with my baseball gloves, I beheld a beautiful and amazing sight. There in the earth was a tiny, gaudily painted windmill, with its sails spinning covered in tiny, multicolored fairy lights. Next to this was a labyrinth of Lilliputian streets, and on the balcony of one building was a worm looking up at me. At last, I thought, an opportunity for me to ask the question that had been haunting me so. I leant in closer. Uh, Mr. Worm, I'm sorry to disturb you, but when a worm is chopped in half by a shovel, does it survive? Does it grow into two new and beautiful worms? Speak more quietly, I pray you, said he. You're hurting my ears. I didn't know that worms had ears, I said stupidly. I'll wager there's a lot you don't know about worms, he replied. It is true that when we are chopped in half, we are split into two separate beings. But the sensation is somewhat like that of the human heart being broken. And the result is far more devastating than you could possibly imagine. It was then that I heard the sound of an orchestra pipe up. And the worm began to sing. There was a worm, a very sad and lonely worm. And though he tunnelled very far, tried to hide no matter how he squirmed. All fate would bring... Human who with a spade chopped this worm into two. Now this worm split into two quite different worms. One was very straight and cold, so controlled, digging perfect holes. The other worm had lost the plot and so confused, tied himself in a knot. From that moment, I knew I must find employment elsewhere. Hello, uh, Mr... Um, uh, yes, nine o'clock. Mr. Nine o'clock. No, Karloff. Nine o'clock, Karloff. No, Boris Karloff. Oh, Boris Karloff. You're my nine o'clock. Uh, yes. Now, um, Mr. Karloff, exactly how long have you been on? job seekers. Well, I've probably been claiming for around 40 million years. Well, and in that time, Mr. Karloff, 
Have you considered widening your job search, Jenny? Broadening your horizons? What kind of work are you looking for, precisely? Well, it's funny you should ask that. You see, I've given it a lot of thought, and well, my uncle, he was a taxidermist. Right. And recently, I've been thinking that, you know, perhaps I'd like to follow in his stitches. Right, I see. Now, yes, it says here on my form that you're a vegetarian. Would that not be a conflict of interest to some degree? Yes, well, you might well think so, but yes. no. I've actually come up with a solution which I think works. I've, I've brought this to show you. It, it's an aubergine. And as you can see, I've, I've taxidized it. Right. Have you got any other skills that you could offer to the prospective employer, Mr. Well, Carlo? I suppose at a push I could burp the macaroon. Politics? No, 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 no. I've, I, I tried that. It, uh, well, it, 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 it didn't work out. Right. Well, listen, have you got any vocational qualifications, Mr. Karloff? Apart from the Macarena. Apart from the Macarena. Well, yes, there is, there is another idea that I've been uh, toying with. Yes. I, I have this theory. Now, a theory that if I could somehow construct a rocket... Right. ...and load it with matter-antimatter fuel and then attach a light sail to the rear of the rocket, I position see. a satellite in space to shoot a laser at that rocket as it leaves the Earth's atmosphere, yes. then that rocket could potentially reach a speed of 9.992% the speed of light. Right. Now, if the pilot of that rocket could proportionally slow it down, then the matter-antimatter would ignite, theoretically making it possible for that pilot to visit himself in the future. Time travel. Indeed. You know what? I think you're in luck, Mr. Carloff. Yes, I was looking through here. Yes, and uh, yes, there is an opening in Slough. Really? Yes, it's recently come up. They're actually putting millions and millions of pounds into a time travel project. Well, that sounds ideal. Yes, doesn't it? Now, right, it says here, now, have you got a clean driver's license? Yes, clean as a whistle. Right, and oh, oh, I'm afraid it uh, it involves a bit of shift work. Would that be a problem? Oh, no, no, that would be absolutely fantastic. Yeah, great, and it says here, how much experience have you got? Well, I've did a my life to this project for the last 50 years. Right. Right. Oh, well, I'm afraid it says here that you need at least 400 million years of experience. 400 million? Yes. 400 million? Yes, I'm afraid so. But that, that's impossible. Yes. Yes, it is. Right. Mr. Carlos? Yes. Yes, I'm Milo Carpet Viper no, from yes. Social Services. I- I've come to see your aunt, uh, Miss Jabiska. Oh, uh, right, lovely. Uh, she hasn't had a visitor for a long while. She'll be terribly pleased. Do come in. Oh, oh, watch out for the homunculi. <laughs> At Jabiska, Mr. Uh... Carpet Viper. Yes, there's, there's a Mr. Carpet Viper here to see you. Oh. Oh, goodness. Oh, Mr. Karloff. Oh, dear. What, what is that smell? Please, don't say anything. She's she's very sensitive. I'll just... I'll spray her down with some of this patchouli oil. Mr. Biscuit. Mr. Biscuit. Mr. Karloff, your aunt seems very quiet. She, she she doesn't appear to be breathing. <laughs> no, no. Well, she wouldn't be. Oh. Yes, uh, she passed away a couple of weeks ago. You mean... Yes. Uh, Mr. Karloff, don't you uh, don't you think perhaps it might be time? Of, well, you gave her a decent burial. Oh dear, dear, no, no, no. I, I think uh, I rather think death agrees with her, don't you, Mr. Karloff? How precisely did your aunt die? Well, I mean, you know, Aunt Jabisco was never really one to apportion blame. 
and I'm sure she wouldn't want me living the rest of my life racked with guilt. You killed her? Yes, after a fashion. After a fashion? It's a growing trend, you know. Well, how, how did it occur? Can you provide me with some kind of explanation, Mr. Karnov? Well, I had this theory, and it led me to work on a new elixir to promote longevity. However, it appears to have had precisely the opposite effect. Aunt Jabiska was always the most enthusiastic of guinea pigs, but... Well, it seems her constitution was unfortunately ill-equipped to deal with such a large quantity of concentrated bleach and hydrochloric acid. You poisoned her. They'll put you away for this. Have you no remorse? There's no point in wasting time weeping and grieving. The instant Aunt Jabiska died, I submerged her body in a bath of rum and set to work. I decoded the hieroglyphics from an ancient papyrus and prepared my own version of an Egyptian recipe used for embalming the pharaohs. With the aid of a bicycle pump and a short length of garden hose, I filled her veins with the sacred mixture and, as you can see, here she is. Good as new. Oh, my God, man. You might as well have had her stuffed and mounted. You ought to be committed. Your aunt... Don't, Don't talk about her as if she were invisible. Being deceased is a very isolating condition. Auntie, auntie, tell this gentleman, am I mad? Your aunt can't hear you. You mean she's dead? She's dead. Have you ever been dead, Mr. Carpet Viper? Well, of course I haven't. Well, you seem to know an awful lot about it. I'm intelligent enough to realise that you don't get much of a reaction out of a corpse. I'm surprised at you. I really am. For generations, we've been mistreating the dead. Hiding them away, burying them, burning them to a crisp, pretending they don't exist... They are the silent majority. It's about time we recognise their rights. After all, one day, even you and I shall join their ranks. Nonsense! When you're dead, you're dead. That's it. Kaput! Oh, you speak from experience, do you? Oh, of course I don't, but neither can you. You're still alive! Uh, actually, that's uh, that's where you're mistaken. Oh, I see. So you're dead now, are you, Mr. Karloff? Well, you're the liveliest bloody corpse I've ever seen. I have joined the ranks of the living dead, Mr. Carpet Viper. A fate worse than death. I have just recently taken on a position in a call centre. Good morning. You're through to Medical Emergency Direct. This is Bernard Radiga. Uh, do you have a job number? Sorry, a what? Or your postcode? It, it's my gym. In which area of the country is your gymnasium situated? No, no, my husband, my gym, he's collapsed. Is your husband under warranty? No, he's under the stairs. In the cupboard, he just fell off the step stool. What's his date of birth? Aye. Do you have his birth certificate? No, that's what he was looking for. One of your doctors came out and said he'd have to order some new parts, but he couldn't do anything not without his birth certificate. Is the unit... The unit? It is, is, is your husband. Is he insured? Uh, no, no. Right now, uh, is he breathing? Oh, yes, yes, he is, but he can't get up. Can he talk? I, I need to ascertain what the fault is. Well, he's just mumbling and murmuring. Can you put him on, madam? What's his name? Jim, but to James, Jimmy, mashing days. Can you hold the phone to his ear, please? Oh, all right, but you won't get much sense out of him. He's such a shame. He used to be the fittest old timer in town. I had brain surgery to save our marriage, and now this. All right, here, I'll put him on. Jim, Jim, love. Hello, hello, Mr. Mashing Days. Mr. Mashing Days. Some of Bonanza. I want a macaroni penguin and add one of Sally Land's buns. Mr. Mashing Days, can you describe the fault that you are experiencing? 
At the Black Gardenia, I told you, Chip Bay would gobble and strut like a turkey. We'd been merely bug-herding. I was reading Lolita. Have you read it? It's a bit of a potboiler. I'll never forget her in that colourful apron and such a beautiful kitchen. It were covered in sockets. You need lots of sockets. Miss, Mrs. Massingdays. Mrs. Massingdays. Yes, you see, I told you. Uh, your husband will have to come into our workshop. Have you been advised of our procedure? In, into the workshop? How long for? We'll send you out a body bag. Place your husband in the bag and stick on the enclosed address label. You will have to do a visual inspection and complete the description on the release date form in case of accidental damage in transit. Oh, but I, I can't go to the fungi footage on my own. What, what will people think? We're looking at pinhead fungi in Dung this Tuesday and Jim carries the truck. Oh, and who's going to feed the picture plants? We may have a lone husband available, but we do have a limited stock, I'm afraid. Now, as soon as Mr. Mashing Days arrives, he will be put under diagnosis in cases beyond economical repair. We will send you an estimate for the work and any parts that we may need to order. You can pay over the phone by credit or debit card, and, uh, and then he'll be put on the bench. On the bench? Yes, under the surgeon's knife, Mrs. Mashing Days. Dear Diary, Today I left the invisible hinge factory never to return. The fat man in front of me was standing furiously, his buttocks protruding from the belt of his trousers like the breasts of Mary Antoinette. I danced a mechanical waltz, my partner a headless Parisian showgirl, a one-legged can-can dancer with bolts in her neck. I pull her leg and her chest opens, my black blistered fingertips pick up a silver fist and place it in the cavity. I wrench her leg toward me until it clicks into its socket. My foot presses gently on a pedal, and a vibrating metal phallus plunges into her chest. I sensed a presence behind me, and turned to see the supervisor leering over me, watching my performance with a voyeuristic glint in his two bulbous eyes. Morning, he said, except it's not morning, it's more ding. As if he's been around these machines too long and his voice has begun to replicate the screeches and whirs of this mechanical orchestra in which I'm one of the players. That floor in the factory seemed more like hell every day, a cross between a painting by Hieronymus Bosch and some Geiger nightmare. Full of furnaces and human machines, the tray full of tiny silver fists beside me looked like a tray of rotting flesh, grey and putrid reflecting the red and the blue of the TR-50, my dancing partner. The castings looked like centipedes, and then I realized what we were making. A door to the underworld. Hinges greased so that Beelzebub could at last be free, fly out of his cavern beating giant moth-like wings. Mr. Karlov, I must say, I'm slightly disappointed to see you back again. I take it the position in the abattoir didn't work out. Uh, mm. You were employed as a... Uh... A Judas sheep. Ah, yes, that's it. Yes, I had to wear a fleece and bar encouragingly whilst crawling in front of the flock so that they'd follow me. Then I duck into a secret passage and they'd turn on the rotating knives. You only lasted one day. I couldn't bear the guilt. Listen, Karlov, it's simple. The fact is that civilization requires slaves. Unless there are slaves to do the ugly, horribly uninteresting work, culture and contemplation become almost impossible. 
Yes, human slavery is wrong, insecure and demoralising. But you must become like a machine, Karlov, a numb automaton. The future of the world depends on you. Now, I don't like to make a song and a dance about it, but you've got to get yourself a job, job, job. Become a plot, a just plot, plot, plot. You've got to get yourself a job, job, job. And there's plenty to choose from, Karlov. There's driving taxis, teaching children, stacking shelves and taking calls. Picking strawberries, writing minutes, painting ceilings, doors and walls. Airs, digging trenches, building houses, blowing glass and saving lives. Judging contests, counting money, getting votes by telling lies. There's minding children, selling menswear, deep sea diving, testing drugs. There's waiting tables, plucking chickens, tightrope walking, killing slugs. There's prison rehabilitation. Teaching salsa, selling pets, cleaning toilets, fixing kettles, cooking pies and collecting bets, social working, social climbing, human resource, walking dogs, chopping trees down, laying tarmacs, saving pensioners from bogs. There's moving mountains, climbing molehills, pushing buttons that go bleep. Testing eyesight, playing trumpets, toasting crumpets, shearing sheep, but there's plastic surgeon, ice cream salesman, killing pigs in abattoirs, superhero, supervillain, mending Wonder Woman's bras. But you don't understand, I do work. I've been pondering the true nature of reality itself since the day I was born. My boy, what are you doing? I'm taking a vacation, Aunt Jabiska. Lovely. Well, you suddenly picked a nice spot for it. I can't wait to see your holiday stamps. There's nothing quite as breathtaking as the sweeping vistas and enchanting scenery as the inside of a brown paper bag. I'm trying to find the base of reality. I'm freeing my mind, Aunt Jabiska. Clearing it all out. Well, that shouldn't take long. What kind of a pastime is this for an eight-year-old boy, Boris? Oh, I've had enough of this nonsense. Take that bag off of your head. I cannot. Right then, I'll take it off. Keep away from me. You can't take it off. Oh, yes, I can. Just watch me. Well, physically, you could remove it. Mentally... It will remain. You're mad, Boris. I was hoping you'd say that. Well, you are. You're as nutty as a fruitcake. I'm a religion of what? And that's how it will stay. I can't imagine many disciples queuing up to join the church of the brown paper bag on your head. You need help. Yes, and I'm getting it. I've isolated myself from all outside stimuli in order to start afresh. To re-examine reality. And what fabulous theories have you been mulling over within that brown paper chamber of meditation? How to earn enough money to help with the rent, perhaps, oh wise one? Let me simplify it for you, Auntie Jabiska. Our reality is, is, is merely a plastic scoop full of washing powder and the laundrette of perception. Oh, right. Oh, yes. I see. Now I understand. You've enlightened me, Boris. I see it all so clearly. Whiter than white. Now please, take that brown paper bag off your head. Wait, Auntie. I'm not finished. You see, 
What led me along this intellectual pathway was pondering on a Buddhist code. Oh, what's that? Some kind of transcendental ice cream? K O A N, Aunt Jubiska. It's like a riddle. Buddhist monks have been having mass debates over them for hundreds of years. Well, that's the celebrate life for you, Boris. I should know. All your uncle ever stuffs is dead animals. Auntie, please listen. Listen, listen. What is the sound of one hand clapping? Nothing. Precisely. Well, it wasn't a particularly difficult riddle, Boris. Those monks must have a very low IQ. No, no, you see, there's not only one answer, Auntie. It's just that you hit the nail on the head. Hammer! What? Hit the nail on the head, hammer! These are so easy, Boris. Give me another. Oh, that wasn't a cone. It was a turn of phrase. What I'm saying is that your first response, nothing, is closer to the truth than you realize. That was Z. Yes, and this is now. And in the great laundrette of perception, I've got smalls to wash. Why have you decided to start all this nonsense now, Boris? You sound like a 40-year-old man. It's time you left home. Got yourself a proper job instead of sitting around all day with a brown paper bag on your head. Good afternoon, you're through to Medical Emergencies Direct. I'm Boris Karloff. Do you have a job number? Get out, get out, get out, get out, bloody dog. Get out. Hello, hello. Uh, yeah, do uh, stop parts. My, my mother, she's 82. Uh, do you have a model number? 1925. What parts does she need? Uh, we don't have any cardiovascular or lymphatic parts at present, uh, but if it's the nervous or endocrine system you're after, we may be able to get them in back order. Oh, all right, well, it's, uh, first off, well, it might be psychosomatic, you know, so I opened her up, or I opened her head up, and I took everything out, and I gave it a good yes. clean, you know, yes. like it says in the manual, yes. you know. Yes. But no, no, it all seemed all right, although she could do with a new hypothalamus. Yes, so uh, well, as that is the shared organ of the nervous system, it would have to go on back order, I'm afraid. Yeah, yeah well, you see, uh, it's working all right for now, right. but she might need an upgrade at some point. That's all I'm saying. That's right. all I'm saying. Right, yes. yes. It was her digestive and urinary system ah. which she was complaining about. Right. See, I mean, it's always been a bit gurgly, ah. but you know, but you just ignore it, don't you? You know, yeah, however, yes, yes. you see, there's been more of a, a kind of, oh, I don't know, a kind of. Um, a bubbling. A, yes, that's it. It's a mm, bubbling yes. noise and an excessive release of gas. Um, would you say it was foregut, midgut, uh, or hindgut in origin, sir? Well, I've got it all laid out here, yeah. There's the uh, gastrointestinal tract, yes, yeah. Yes, yeah. I can't find all the accessories, though, to the alimentary canal, you uh, see. Right. And then I've had a look under the sofa yes, and yes. down the side of the cushions and that, you know, uh, the usual place. Right, yes. right. Uh, do you know which accessories are missing? Yeah, yes. There's the gallbladder, uh-huh. the liver, and, right. the, uh, and the pancreas. The pancreas, okay. Yes. And, uh, do you have the part numbers? No, no. As, as I say, you see, I can't find them. Right, yeah, right. Yes. Uh, and it's a 1925 model, you say? Yeah, yeah, it's 5th of September. Okay, yes. let me just check on our database, uh, sir, if you could just bear with me for yeah, a minute. Yeah, 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 all right. How are you doing? 
left. Get out, get out, get, give me beats! Now I can go, 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 and I don't chew it. Oh, shit. Is, that, oh. is everything okay, sir? Well, the bloody dog's chewing a sigmoid colon. Oh, dear, oh, dear, right, sir, yes. Yeah. Good news, good news, we do have those accessories. Now, can you fit them yourself? Yeah, 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 I think so, yeah, yeah, I've got a manual here. What would you do? Would you post them out? Uh, yes, yes, I could post them out to you today, uh, but you'd have to pay in advance. Do you, you, you take my stroke? Uh, yes, we do. Right, OK, then. OK, right, let me just take your card details. Anchor deep, I waded through the bluebells. My spirit rose and exalted as I breathed in the sun-drenched air. The glorious day was in its last decline. Long shadows lay on the sward, and from above the leaves dripped their shimmering drops of gold-green light. Moths and butterflies swarmed in merry hosts, flittering here, glimmering there. But hush, could that be a deer? Mr. Carlo. You can talk. I'm sorry? How do you know my name, Ostai? Mr. Karlov. Oh, it's you. Now, it says here that you only worked for two days in the chip shop in Mile End before calling in sick. Yes, it was uh, unfortunate. I awoke to find that I'd metamorphosized into a dung beetle. I see. And the plastering job? I painted the Sistine Chapel on the ceiling of Mr. and Mrs. Noble's lounge. Apparently they wanted to skip travel texture. The feedback from your bar work was that you were consistently late. Ah, well, yes, I can explain that. There was a slight mix-up with the time. I see. <laughs> were your working hours not clarified uh, in the contract? <laughs> no, no, nothing like that. Uh, I bought a new watch, you see, a digital Quite well, that's good thinking. Yes, yes, but uh, unfortunately I became a little confused. You see, <laughs> I'd been working and converting it into a time-travelling device, and I thought, you know, I'd take a year out. Unfortunately, I thought that the time was the date. To everybody else, it was ten to six, whereas I believed it to be midway through the 18th century. Uh. And the position at Hamley's, yes, Carlos, yes. demonstrating toys. Yes. Now, I would have thought that was right up your street. Well, it was the commuting. I, I suffer with terrible claustrophobia. You know, within minutes of getting on the tube, I'd be gasping for air, trying to claw the doors open like a caged wild beast. Mr. Carlos, <sighs> I'm at my wit's end. Listen... Isn't there, isn't there any other benefit I can apply for that would allow me to continue my work? Your work? Yes. My art, my poetry, my inventions, my philosophizing. Well, perhaps you could claim DLA. I mean, if your doctor or perhaps, yes. if you'll forgive me, a, a psychiatrist could diagnose something. Celebrity living allowance? Yeah. Yeah, I like hold music, mate. Yeah, yeah, it's that fresh metal band, mate, isn't it? Yeah, definitely silence, mate. Yeah, you impressed, mate. I've got the US import. Yeah, 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 mate. Yeah, yeah, that's bloody murder here, mate. It's like Dante's Tower and Inferno here, mate. Busy, busy. I've been on the phone all day, mate. Yeah, busy. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You've been on the phone all day too, mate. Yeah, yeah. Well, we're on the phone to each other, mate, haven't we? Yeah, <laughs> that's right, mate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, mate. Gary? Yeah. Uh, yeah, hold on, mate. Yeah, yeah, sure, I'm on a blower, mate. I'm on a blower. It's that bloke, Gary. What, what bloke, mate? You know, that bloke. What bloke, mate? The bloke. Which bloke, mate? The bloke, the chum. Oh, that bloke, mate. Yeah, mate. I'll call you back, mate. All right, mate. Yeah, mate. Cheers, mate.
Right, mate, you were about to peep bang you, mate, didn't ya? Yes, the job description wasn't particularly clear on what the position would entail. Yeah. Yeah, now look, mate, yeah, it's not rocket science, mate. Shame. Hey? Well, I am qualified as a rocket scientist. Yeah, well, mate, it's not rocket science. Yeah. It's child's play, really. Oh, 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 great. That's, well, that's, that's, that's the other thing that I'm good at. Yeah, right, well, mate. <laughs> I, I do admire your attire. Are you foreign? Your dress. Your outfit. What you wearing? Oh, this, yeah, mate, yeah, it's an all-in-one zip-up corduroy siren suit, mate. Yeah, Ooh. it's a romper suit, mate, yeah. yeah. In the fashion of Winston Churchill, mate, it's my hero, mate, oh, yeah. marvellous. Yeah, yeah, isn't it? Right, mate, right, I'll take you through to the pig-banging warehouse then, mate. Yeah, this way, mate. Lead on. What's this? This is orbital mechanics, mate, yeah, where we really focus on spacecraft trajectories to predict the results of propulsion, mate, yeah. Yeah, here we're using Bernoulli's principle, mate, to calibrate the airspeed indicators, mate, yeah. This hangar here houses our flight test team of aeronautical engineers, mate, yeah. They're primarily concerned with gathering the data from test flights, mate, yeah. Believe it or not, mate, we're actually working on a propulsion system, mate, that will allow us to escape the solar system, mate, from the vicinity of Earth. So around 42 kilometres per second, mate, yeah. Of course, as you probably know, mate, general relativity provides us with more exact equations for calculating orbits, mate. And here, mate, desired time domain responses are translated into frequency domain tolerances, mate. Yeah. I thought you said it wasn't rocket science. Yeah, that's right, mate. Yeah, and here you go, mate. The pig-banging workhouse, mate. This is my mate here, Alfie Sneak. He'll show you the ropes, mate. Right, Boris, is it? Delighted to meet your acquaintance. Are you foreign? <sighs> no, mate, look. It's not rocket science, Boris. We bang the pigs in the house. Right. Now, you can either use your fists or your feet. It hurts a bit for the first week or so, but you soon get used to it. Uh, what What about those mallets? Hey? The mallet. Why don't you use the mallets? Don't oh, you use the no, mallets? No, 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 no. They've been here since I started. Right. They're always there, but we don't use them. <laughs> now, here you've got your pigs, see? Yes. They're here in the morning, all lined up next to the house. Right. This pig, you see... He's next to this hole here. Yes. So we just clock in, go to the first peg, yes. and... Yes. Oh, you see, it can be tricky. Yes, yes, I see. Oh, oh, I'll have it in a minute, I'll have it in a minute. I, uh, I can't help but notice that, uh, that that peg's the wrong shape. Of course it's the wrong shape. Well, uh, that that one over there, that that's the right shape. Wouldn't it, uh, well... Wouldn't it be easier if you swapped them over? Swap them over? Listen, start having funny ideas like that, mate, and you ain't going to last long. Now, Gary, don't take kindly to new ideas. Right. You're told what to do when you do it. You don't ask questions. Right. At the end of the day, if the wrong pegs have been placed by the wrong holes, it's not our fault. <laughs> yes. Sometimes it's a peg-making machine. Yes, oh, The yes. pegs come out a bit misshapen, see? Or it could be that the peg placing night shift have made a mistake. Right. But we're just the insertion crew, the peg bangers. We insert it, that's it, plain and simple. We insert the pegs in the house, like I said. It's not rocket science. Have you worked here long? I used to work at Tip Tree Pies, but it all went wrong. First it was my brother Axel. He loved his job. He used to put the lattice work on top of the pies. Right. right Some yeah. people said it was a bird job, uh-huh. but lattice work was his life. He didn't have to decorate pies. He could have done anything. Tapestries, cathedral, walls, knitwear. He had skill. Mm. I always thought he'd go places. He always wanted to travel one day. Right. And he did. 
he disappeared. What? It was weeks before they'd discovered he'd fallen into a giant vat of apple pie filling. Ooh. Those pies ended up all over the world. Soon after that, the conveyor belt went mad. We couldn't get the lids on fast enough. Erd. We ended up with so many lidless pies that I decided to eat them all before the manager came round. Dear, dear, dear. Well, when he did appear, he realised there were 500 pies missing. And when he asked who ate all the pies, I just crumbled. I was thinking about what you said before. About becoming a machine. Right. Well, we'd all do a lot of thinking, no doubt, Mr. Karloff. If we weren't busy working... I have a theory. Is it concerning your curriculum vitae, in which you describe yourself, I quote, as a mathematician, astrologer, mystic, philosopher and magus? Hear me out. Must I? I'd rather see you out. If I could assemble an artificial person, a robot, if you like, from the Czech robota, meaning labour or work, work, you see... Yes, I see quite plainly, Mr. A machine, Karloff. a machine built to resemble myself in appearance, you see. It would be a tireless and uncomplaining employee, needing neither food nor drink. Whilst you... Whilst I, well, well whilst I busied myself with more, well, you know... Whilst you took an extended vacation, perhaps, Mr. Karlov. Do you know, I dreamt up a place. A place called La. La? Life's a holiday. You see? L-A-H? La. Very clever, Mr. Karlov. Thank you. Now, I don't want to make a song and dance about it, but... People who live in the city named La are gentle and peaceful, though somewhat bizarre. They never go shopping or drive in a car. They're all coloured orange, apart from their czar, whose skin has a fairer, more lemon-like tone. His eyes glow bright red as he sprawls on his throne. Yes, it's La. Come on, join me in La. La is a quiet and beautiful place, for La real life has a gentler pace. If you stroll through the streets there, you won't find a trace of anger or stress on a Larian face. And why, let me tell you, it's perfectly true. They live on a diet of Larian stew. A dish-coloured orange, it's thick and it's sweet. I'd rather like some of the folk that you'd meet. Come on, now it's La. Let's picnic now in La. They tell you of how all their skins were once white. But they gulp down the syrup both morning and night. They're soft and they're cuddly. There's never a fight. Because Larry and stew makes them high as a kite. The goo it is brewed from the fat bubble plum. Which grows juicy and ripe neath the Larian sun. On the banks of the river which flows with white rum. Where the sozzle fish dance and the bikini bees hum. I dream of the orchards of fat bubble plum. From the palace 
of glee to the dungeons of glum, the fountains of joy, the goblets of stew, and the czar with his skin of a lemon-like hue. Oh, how I wish I could go there with you and gulp down a goblet of bubble plum goo. And then we would feel like the Larians do. Our minds free to dream by this marvelous brew. We wouldn't need money. We wouldn't wear clothes. We could dance through the orchards and make love and doze. We could swim with this sozzle fish and lay in the sun. Neath the whispering trees of the fat bubble plum. Come on now, it's La. Join me now in La. Right. Now then, Mr. Karloff, uh, your curriculum vitae. Right. Now, well, you're obviously quite good with your hands. What do you mean by that? I mean, well, I don't know. You could do some kind of manual labour, making things, construction. I mean, maybe even design, Carlos. Let me think. Actually, do you know Prometheus? No. Oh, yes. Funny little fellow with a strange walk. Comes in on Tuesdays. Friend of yours. No! 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 No, let let me think. Listen, do you do you know God? Well, there are a few. Yes, that's true. Um, let me put it simply: I can create life. But uh, you're going to have to be a bit more specific. How can I put this? I can create life. Can you be more specific? I can create life. Specific. Oh, yes. Specify. Can you can you specify? I'll show you. Uh, okay. I've brought it here in a jar. I call him Zosimos. Right. Right. What I did is I took an egg laid by a black hen, right. poked a tiny hole in the shell, See? replaced a bean-sized portion of the white with my own semen, okay. sealed the opening with a virgin parchment, and buried the egg in dung on the first day of March lunar cycle. Thirty days later, this miniature humanoid emerged. Right. And this is Dostoevsky. Right, he grew out of a mandrake root. As you probably know, they grow where the semen of a hanged man is ejaculated in the last convulsive spasms before death. Golly. I got a black dog to pick up the root before dawn and a Friday morning, washed and fed it with milk, honey, and blood. And there you have it. A little humunculus. Right, yes. And this is my favorite. I call him... Oppenheimer. I lovingly sculpted him out of dirt, roots, insects, and feces. He acts as a vehicle for the astrally projected mind of the sorcerer, namely myself, his creator. Lovely, isn't he? Say hello, say hello, say hello, Oppenheimer. And this is his big brother, Milo Carpet Viper. He's from social services, aren't you, Milo? Quite a little family. Indeed. Right. I see. Let me look. Um, you, you do realise that this could affect your benefit? Oh, shit. I never thought of that. Have you considered a position in retail? What? What, 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 what would that involve? Well, retailing things. What kinds of things? Well, things that have lost their tails. Uh... There's an uh, opening in Toll Puddle. You could start straight away. Right. Right. Uh, well, I, I suppose I'll, I'll have to 
have to do that, then. Right. Well, uh, goodbye, then. Yes. Thank you. Goodbye. Oh, work, shy bastard. Some people just don't want a job. You have been listening to The Secret Diary of a Job Seeker, written and performed by Cy Henty and Alan Morrick. If you were affected by any of the issues raised in this broadcast, then log on to myspace.com slash theelectrichead. Boris Karloff and the Aubergine can currently be seen at the South End Palladium and a new production of Jane Eyre. The secret Diary of a Job Seeker soundtrack is now available from all good call centers. Join us next week for The Secret Diary of a Job Seeker Part 2, when Boris Karloff takes ill. He calls his illness Susan, and jealousy rears its ugly head when he finds out that she's been dishing out her symptoms to all of his acquaintances, including those who had visited him while he was caught up in her brief love affair. <laughs>